This is All of Us. You're listening to All of Us. I'm Greg Grinberg. This is 103.5 New Haven's independent radio station. Today, my guest is Allie Heimer. Uh, she is administrator of the Democracy Fund. Allie, welcome. So today we're going to be talking about the aftermath of the election and what we can do here in New Haven and Connecticut to, uh, to make uh, ourselves an example for the rest of the nation to follow in a time when the federal government is not going to be uh, doing much to hold us in check in terms of civil liberties on the Supreme Court and may not be there to fund us in the way that we've been accustomed to over the last eight years. So, Ali, to start with, um, why don't we why don't we just start with you telling us about the Democracy Fund? Sure thing. Um, so, New Haven is lucky enough to have a program that uh, allows anybody who wants to run for mayor of our great city uh, to access public financing, um, and that might seem a little complicated. So, I'll I'll explain that, and I'll also explain how that came about. So public financing basically means that the town of, or the city of New Haven is willing to give a grant um, as well as matching uh, amounts to low dollar contributions in the hopes that it combats the perception of corruption in our political system. Okay, so, so just to, to see if I have this right, so, um, so this is public financing that we're talking about mm-hmm. for candidates for mayor of yes. New Haven. Now, does this apply also for candidates uh, in aldermanic races as well? No, it doesn't. Um, we put a survey out to um, alders and some members of the community uh, last year to see if an expansion would be um, would be welcome in, in our town because we are the only city in Connecticut that actually has any program of this type. And what we found was that the average amount of money that it costs to run for alder, and there are 30 alders in the city, right. um, is between $1,000 and $7,000 and averages out to just about $3,000. Okay. So because of the um, relatively low uh, amount of money that it takes to run for one of those offices, uh, the sentiment was that it, it didn't merit... Um, this sort of this sort of program certainly not to the extent of getting a grant uh, because at the mayoral level in order to qualify for the grant you have to raise five thousand dollars okay so if we were going to put a similar program in for the alders um, you would essentially be raising the money that you need in order to qualify uh, to use the the grant so we that that seemed to be um, a non-starter however there was some support for potentially expanding the program to cover um, other citywide races. So things like Board of Education, uh, potentially the Registrar of Voters, and Town Clerk. Got it. So public financing can help to level the playing field, I I take it, that it can can sort of help to level the playing field between candidates um, who, um, you know, and, and sort of undo some of the effect of outsized fundraising uh, from special interest groups. You know, we we hear that a lot, um, the, the term leveling the playing field. And that's that's not quite what this is. What this is, is making it so that um, people who can prove that they have community support. So um, the way that we do that is we ask you to raise five thousand dollars from 200 residents. OK, so you have to you have to have some modicum of a a network. Um so instead of leveling the playing field, 
um, it's more like uh, raising the ability for people who have um, strong community ties, but potentially not um, ties that are uh, as as able to access large dollar contributions um, to still have an effort uh, put forth to to be a, a, a successful candidate. Right. In addition, it's it's really um, it's really about reducing that appearance that there is a, a pay to play system, reducing the appearance that uh, you know if if a a contractor or a business gives a candidate money that they're going to get some sort of of favor or mm-hmm. get some favorability um, when it comes to legislative action, uh, which is why we we in in the Democracy Fund program also don't allow contributions from businesses from political action committees, which you would without the program. Right. So there there is there's a trade off then, and there there are some restrictions when you decide to accept. Um, public financing from the democracy fund. Yes. Um, there, but because we give you uh, a $19,000 grant and then match all the small donations two to one, there is a, there is a trade off that perhaps you can't get those thousand dollar checks anymore, but um, you are able to get uh, enough money to be serious. And to, to, if, if it's important to use a candidate to show that you don't, want to be perceived as potentially um, having that conflict of interest if you if you were so lucky to get elected, then this is the right program for you. Absolutely. So we're talking about serious money for a mayoral race. Um, it, it can cost serious money, mm-hmm. um, but we can also the, the, the fund is there to also provide serious money. Um, so the uh, the most recent competitive race um, that uh, longtime New Haveners will remember <laughs> um, was that race in 2013, was it? Uh, where we had seven relatively competitive people running for office um, and four of them who had signed the pledge to raise money under the rules of the Democracy Fund and three that actually managed to qualify for the grant qualified to get matching contributions on, on small dollar donations. Um, however, the, uh, those campaigns uh, raised about $175,000 to run for office in New Haven. Um, and if you, if you look at the number of registered voters, which is about 65000 give or take, um, you're looking at about, you know, three, three to four dollars per voter. And then of the ones that show up, maybe five or five to eight, right. uh, depending on if you're talking about the primary or you're talking about the general election. Um, however, if you have the access to big dollar donations, if you are successful at fundraising, um, one of the other candidates in that race was able to raise about a half a million dollars. Right. So, you know, it's talking of it's it's the difference between. Um, a grassroots campaign and getting help to have those smaller donation, uh, you know, voices. If if a donation, if a contribution to a campaign is a voice, um, amplifying those voices. So instead of a twenty five dollar contribution as opposed to a hundred dollar contribution, our matching two to one turns a twenty five dollar contribution into a seventy five dollar contribution. So it it really can amplify uh, the the value of those donors when when your base is not you know downtown uh residents or residents from wealthier neighborhoods or business owners absolutely absolutely 
And, you know, so last time on the show, we were talking a little bit about ranked choice vote. Um, and uh, I'm going to play this uh, clip from President Obama just to uh, just to bring us into that. Or we will. We will play that clip uh, at some point in the future. This is this is all of us. Uh, I'm Greg Grinberg. And my guest today is Ali Heimer, administrator of the Democracy Fund. We're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, public financing in New Haven's mayoral elections and what that can do to help grassroots candidates um, have more of a voice and become viable candidates uh, in mayoral elections. Um, so um, and it, okay, so talking about ranked choice voting um, from last week, I'm going to just play this clip and we'll go into that. Just look at the confusion over the invitations to tonight's dinner. Guests were asked to check whether they wanted steak or fish, but instead, a whole bunch of you wrote in Paul Ryan. That's not an option, people. Steak or fish. (laughs) You may not like steak or fish, that's your choice. <laughs> that was President Obama at the White House Correspondents' Dinner earlier this year, uh, alluding to, uh, alluding, I think, to ranked choice voting and alluding to the uh, phenomenon that we find ourselves in so often, where there are, there are two choices um, that so many of us are not particularly excited about. So, Ali, what can what can the democracy fund do to sort of give us, to get us out of that steak or fish situation and maybe give us, I don't know, a salad or something? Um, so, so to answer that question, I'm actually going to take it a little bit bigger than just New Haven. Um, I, uh, when this program was started in 2007, it was actually modeled off of a state program called the citizens election program. And um, people who have been involved in uh, in politics in the area or or no familiar names like um, Gary Winfield and Roland Lamar and uh, pretty much any state uh, level legislator could potentially be familiar with this program. This is the program that asks you to donate between five and a hundred dollars and uh, caps your contribution at that, despite how much you may want to give more if you're so lucky. Um, mm. So what that program does is it, again, asks people who are running for state office to raise uh, a certain amount of money from a certain number of people within the the borders of the, the towns that they represent um, and then provides a matching grant. And that program has allowed many, many, many people who felt that they had Um, community support but did not have access to big dollar donations to participate and to be elected uh, to our state legislature. Um, We find now that I I believe the number is about 94 percent of all people running for state office use the citizens election program because the program makes it so easy to get the money that is is, you know, unfortunately or fortunately necessary to run a race of that magnitude in this state. Um, So the the hope and the and the dream is that even people who feel that they um, you know can't imagine having to dial for dollars and ask their friends for large amounts of contributions 
can go to, um, you know, 150 or 300 of their closest friends and say, hey, I need an average contribution of $35 to qualify for a grant. Can you help me out? Mm -hmm. Um, Is that are you willing to support me in my bid for office? And for doing that, for for not taking money from political action committees or or lobbyists or um, uh, uh, companies, um, we the state provides them with a grant and the grant amount varies whether or not you're in a competitive race um, or whether or not you are uh, running against a a third party um, or if you're unopposed. So um, we've sort of leveled this out because we, we, the state, the, the state elections enforcement enforcement commission, the SEC assumes that you don't need the same amount of money in all the, all of those scenarios. I see. So if you're in a hotly contested race, you can get more funding from, uh, from the fund. Yes. And you'll also get more if you're running for state Senate, as opposed to state representative, because the district is so much bigger. Hmm. That completely makes sense. All right, so we want to take some calls. Uh, the call in number is 203-872-7356. Again, that's 203-872-7356. This is All of Us on WNHH, New Haven's independent radio station. Um, my guest is Ali Heimer. We're talking about public financing uh, for elections in both New Haven and in Connecticut and what that can do to help us uh, give a voice to more candidates and make it possible for more types of candidates to run. Um, last week we were also talking about ranked choice vote, uh, ranked choice voting and in particular rankedchoicevote.com. If you haven't checked it out, uh, this is a shameless, uh, self plug here. Um, go to rankedchoicevote.com and cast your vote. Uh, we're going to be hoping to use that site to help lobby the electoral college to do its constitutional job and save us from dangerous candidates and elect the person that, uh, the will, uh, that, you know, who, who, who has the mandate of the people. Um, so uh, again, uh, the call-in number is 203-872-7356. Um, Allie, what else should we know about the Democracy Fund um, in New Haven? So you should know um, that in New Haven, it is a board. Uh, the, the fund is administered by a board. Um, I am the administrator of that board, so I do a lot of the paperwork behind the scenes. I help with the audits. Um, I help ensure that people who are saying that they're collecting qualifying contributions are actually getting qualifying contributions from registered voters in New Haven um, in the amounts that we uh, allow, which is between 10 and $370. And I verify that all of those things are correct. But the board that I uh, work with, that I'm, I'm so lucky to work with, is a seven-person board that right now has four people on it. Um, out of those seven people, we limit it to only three people of any one political party. Um, and that is so that the board is not dominated by any one group. And uh, in New Haven, that group usually tends to be Democrats. Well, that's shocking, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, Interesting news is that um, one of the vacancies that we have is actually for a Democrat. Um, the former chair of the board, Jared Milfred, who, who uh, was a, a fabulous chair and, and certainly a, a advocate for public financing um, locally and, and across the country, um, has gone off to grad school and has left his seat vacant and his seat was a Democratic seat. Um, we also have one Republican and one Green Party member. Um, so if there are people that are listening that are saying, oh, public financing is is my heart and soul um, and I don't mind uh, giving up um, some of the uh, privileges of being allowed to be partisan in a mayoral race, um, which is one of the requirements, 
then we would love to have you fill out an application um, by going to cityofnewhaven.com uh, and looking under the boards and commissions uh, tab and putting in an application and sending your resume along to Patty Lawler in the mayor's office. That's fantastic. And there are actually a lot of open positions on the various boards and committees inside New Haven's government. Is that right? There certainly are. Um, and I know that Mayor Harp has put a high priority on getting a lot of those filled. Uh, one of the one of the major problems um, with having a board that's understaffed um, is a problem that we are on the Democracy Fund see quite a bit. And it's really unfortunate. We call meetings with every intent of getting um, regular business done. Um, and and one person falls sick or one person's out of town and you, you can't make quorum. Mm. Um, and the problem with that is that there are boards that have incredibly pressing issues to deal with the environment or or the um, the libraries or zoning or uh, development in our community. Um, even things like the Peace Commission, which we so desperately need in a time when we're having protests on the green uh, every other day, you know, to have empty seats on those boards um, is is not only uh, frustrating to the system, but also a really great way for all of these people who are out there right now saying, I should have done something. I want to do something. I have the energy. I have the time. I'm willing to do a commitment that is one or two nights a week um, to really get involved and to to learn about the system that we have in place in New Haven and to learn the the. Uh, the people that are involved in making our city run and really getting a firsthand experience on what it's like to be a part of our community from a, a position of relative authority. Absolutely. And we're actually going to be putting together a calendar. This was your idea, um, a community events calendar um, that uh, that have to do with the aftermath of the election and how to become more civically involved and how to resist uh, actions that Trump wants to take. Um, and that calendar uh, will uh, be available am at, among other places, um, whatnow.community, um, which uh, currently points to a Facebook page, but we'll pin a post and we'll have the link to that calendar there. So you'll be able to find out about um, all of the different events that are happening, including those protests on the green and, um, and for example, uh, an event that we're having on Sunday at 3.30 p.m. at Common Ground, which is the second in a series of community conversations called What Now? Um, but, uh, Ali, it's kind of occurring to me that it might be really helpful to have an event that is focused purely on these vacant board positions so that people can come and learn more about um, you know, what, what opportunities are available uh, on these boards and committees and the city government. Absolutely. So uh, I've been, one of my responsibilities as administrators to do a lot of outreach. Um, and I and I do try and, and go out there and talk to people who I think might be interested in, um, in public financing and in joining boards and commissions. Uh, just this past month, I went to the New Haven Republican Town Committee meeting, uh, which was... Um, a totally new uh, new thing for me because I uh, personally identify as a Democrat. Um, and I found that there are all these people who who really are so passionate about what they believe and want to get involved and just don't know the first step because they're not already a part of a part of the um, active body of of people in New Haven. Um, and so the, that sort of played into the idea of this community calendar. And I'm not trying to in any way reinvent the wheel because we do have these amazing community calendars for things like, you know, arts events and educational events, things that are happening at the library, um, you know, all of these 
uh, uh, opportunities um, and the New Haven Independent is a, a great resource for um, cultural events that you want to go and get involved in and get tickets to. Um, but this is more for people who are feeling like they really want to get involved, but they don't know how. They just want somebody to tell them this is what we as a community are doing this week. This is what we're focused on this week. And mm. here's when we need you to show up. And and here's the script for what we want you to say if you call your senator. Or here's the the action plan for um, the Keystone XL pipeline. Or the action plan for promoting uh, diversity in our community this week. So it's, it's not um, in any way uh, anything other than allowing people to take the first step that they're the most comfortable with and knowing when and where that first step could be. Absolutely. And we've had quite a few community conversations, um, some of which, um, you know, I've been involved with, uh, you know, helping to organize and, and some not. And uh, what I'm seeing kind of across the board is that there is that the participants uh, at the end of these uh, at the end of these community conversations are, are really fired up um, and want more and want specific action items they want things to do to get involved whether it is you know at the level of 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 writing letters and making phone calls uh to elected representatives or getting getting you know potentially far more involved um i don't think i've ever seen uh this community more fired up um uh, politically um since you know since tuesday of last week um and uh and that's great to see and so we want to think about um what we can do to you know to capture this momentum that's something i'm thinking a lot about is capturing these moment the moment um the momentum from these community conversations and uh how that uh translates into sustained um productive action so we want to hear your thoughts on that as well the call in number is 203-872-7356 203-872-7356 my guest today on all of us is Ali Heimer administrator of the democracy fund here in new haven now, i would i would add um i think this community is fired up right now but i don't pretend for a second that this is uh, in any way, not a community that isn't always fired up. I mean, New Haven, New Haven is one of the most vibrant places, uh, certainly in Connecticut. Um, and I would say uh, in a much wider region than that. And we have some incredibly passionate people that have been passionate for a long, long time. Um, this is a community that uh, was on the front lines during the civil rights movement. This is a community that had protests and and marches um, and arrests, uh, you know, in in the sixties and going into the seventies for anti war protests, um, you know, and and recently I have seen people come out of the woodwork uh, to protest police brutality, um, to talk about Black Lives Matter, to talk about um, some really challenging immigration issues that members of our community in our sanctuary city face, and. You know, I I agree that people are fired up right now, but I think this is a, a reignition as opposed to um, an initial lighting. Absolutely, no, I I have to personally completely agree with that for sure. Absolutely. Um. So for those people that are fired up, um, I, I've been going to a lot of community events. I know Greg is hosting a couple of community events. Um, but it's it's hard to be everywhere, and right now it feels like everybody wants to start to have a conversation. Um, and, and, and doesn't really know where 
to start with that conversation. Um, and there are people out there who are probably who might be listening right now who have joy and and feel refreshed by how elections went in our country. And that's perfectly reasonable and fine because everybody is unique and everybody has their own perspective. But what I would say is that if we um, we can all make the same promise to one another to uh, respect one another, to respect our beliefs, to respect the perspectives of people that we don't understand and to make an ask of how and why they feel that way. Um, because the the best way to maintain the, our sense of community in this fired up community is to make sure that we don't get into echo chambers, that we keep talking to each other and we learn about perspectives that we may not think we agree with. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that that that's a really important point to um, that, that can't really be underscored enough that that the community conversation on Sunday that I'm that I'm co-organizing is it, it all are welcome. And that 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 means everyone. Um, so, um, you know, absolutely. Thanks for that, Ali, for sure. All right. So, um, so, so back to the subject of the democracy fund. Um, so how, so, so nuts and bolts, how does a candidate who's, how does someone who's just thinking about, you know, what, you know, throwing their hat in, um, the ring for, for mayor, how does someone actually go about, uh, taking advantage of the democracy fund? Great question. So if you go to the city of New Haven's website, um, there is a, tab uh, called Democracy Fund, and it lays out the basic uh, parameters of the program. Um, So there's two things that you as a candidate need to do. You need to sign an affidavit, which says that I promise that while raising my money, um, I'm going to follow the rules of this fund, um, and I'm not going to accept contributions from uh, special interests, lobbyists, uh, political action committees, um, or businesses. And that I'm going to cap those donations at $370. Um, that I'm going to try and raise 200 contributions from New Haven registered voters. You can, of course, raise money from your uh, from your aunt in Jersey and your cousin in Georgia, um, but they won't uh, count towards qualifying contributions. Um, which is why there's also a monetary requirement of raising $5,000. So uh, your aunt in Georgia's contribution uh, counts towards that $5,000. It just doesn't count towards the 200 uh, in-district contributions. After you've raised that amount, you and your campaign treasurer, who I uh, certainly hope is a fantastic uh, accountant and mathematician, (laughs) um, will come and sign a contract saying that because you've raised this money and because you now qualify for a grant, you're going to um, uh, uh, only use that grant legally. Um, there are certain limits to um, using campaign funding uh, that have actually been set by the uh, State Elections Enforcement Commission. We don't put any additional restrictions on that money. Um, it's, it, it, but it is, it is promising us, in addition to promising the state, that you will be compliant um, and then uh, after we give you the initial grant, any contribution that you raise um, after that is matched two to one. And we disperse uh, that money to you when you have um, up to three hundred dollars uh, at a time to to be matched. All right. Well, there you have it, New Haven. I, I look forward to uh, to all of you running for mayor uh, next year under the system. 
Absolutely. And if, and if you feel if you feel like um, this is something that you're super passionate about, there are ways to get involved in in public financing um, by either joining the board, um, by uh, supporting candidates that decide that they're going to use the program. You don't have to personally run. You can make it a, a mission to only donate to people that are, are using public financing um, that aren't taking uh, big contributions. A lot of in a lot of ways, that's um, why Bernie Sanders was very successful because he issued those big contributions. You hear it over and over again: the twenty-seven dollars. Um, Absolutely. You know, so so those small dollar contributions can really make a difference, and it and can make a huge impact on the viability of a campaign. Absolutely. Well, Ali, just uh, to take us out here and switching gears completely. Um, Last uh, last night, uh, we were both at the Pantsuit Nation event uh, at Mactivity in East Rock, which was which was terrific. I heard you say something uh, that was really moving to me. Um, if you'd like, I you know just give you an opportunity to share that now. Um, it was uh, on the subject of uh, if you see something, say something uh, in the aftermath of the election. Yeah. So I, I've been finding that a lot of people, um, even even people who who voted. Um, for Trump and voted along conservative lines, you know, you, they aren't all um, going to feel the same way as we think that they feel. Um, you know, there's a sense that everyone who voted that way is a sexist or a misogynist or a bigot. And that just simply isn't true. And the way that we all as a community can keep one another safe is to not allow any, instance of behavior that we feel is threatening or disrespectful or different from the way that you would want to be treated. And if you see somebody in the community being treated um, as lesser than you would expect the treatment of yourself, uh, just just like in uh, the subway in New York City, if you see something, say something and don't be afraid to be a little embarrassed or to overreact if it feels wrong it probably is. If there's a, a, you know, sexist or homophobic joke that you hear, don't laugh. Ask the person that's telling it why they think it's funny. And it makes people have to challenge their own, their own self and their own sensibilities. And even a microsecond of challenging that, uh, that norm for them can make a huge difference. Absolutely. It's advice I'd like to take to heart myself. Thanks, Ali. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on All of Us. This is uh, WNHH, New Haven's independent radio station, 103.5. Next week, uh, Monday at 2 p.m., we'll be back with Hanifa Washington and myself, Greg Rinberg. We'll be interviewing Stephen Pincus, a professor of history at Yale University who, uh, with expertise on the Declaration of Independence and what the Declaration of Independence and its reliance on the people's right of revolution says about uh, our situation today and what it says about uh, our right to reform our government uh, given the mandate of the people. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, This is all of us on WNHH.